Hey guys, welcome back to the trainer feed. Uh, what episode is this today? I can't, I, I can't remember. This is what? 15? 18. 18. There you go. I haven't even made 20. <laughs> We're already forgetting. Okay, <laughs> we, uh, we have Antoine here today. Our buddy Antoine. It's going to be, should be a really exciting episode today. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. Um, you know, living the COVID living the life. dream. Uh, working, you know, trying to make things time. happen. Um, got a couple of workouts in outside. It was hot as hell this past week. So, yeah. um, you know, just trying to make sure that everything's in line and doing the thing. How about you? David, how you doing? I hear all my single ladies. It's fucking hot, dude. Oh, hey, I, I that's how ice tying down. Fucking <laughs> 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 Um... No, it was uh, my living room doesn't have an AC on, so I'm trying to just chill here and I'm just sweating bullets. It's it's oh. crazy. Workouts are even worse. I'm working out here and I'm just it's just it's like a puddle of water, which for a lot of people think that's a great workout, but <laughs> still, all I'm saying is, I slipped a couple of times and I fell on my ass, so that's not good. Damn, wow. it's kind of like when we try to do the kettlebell, the Turkish get up in the park. Oh yeah. And my foot slipped. That's what happened. It's, I was fine. But that was grass. I did get a new kettlebell, though. Oh, yeah. wait. What did you get? Clients. My client is, uh, she's moving back to China to her parents. She, they live over there. She's going away. And, um, and she texted me. She's like, hey, do you want this 65-pound kettlebell? I'm like, yeah, sure. 24 kilo or 28 kilo? A little under 28, I think. Um, cause I already have a 28, so I just, I guess this will make kind of a pair. I mean, it's, it's not exact weight, but, uh, she gave me that. I went to her place, picked stuff up and she had so much shit. She was like, just going to give out and she, she's going to take some stuff, but she gave me like three yoga blocks, gave me the kettlebell and gave me, you know, the little, the two across balls that are like taped up. It looks like a peanut. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That was great. So she gave me that. Um, so I was really nice of her. Uh, nice. And other than that, my workouts have been solid. Yesterday I took off, but today I'm gonna do some stuff right after this and hanging in there. Nice, cool, good stuff. I actually have a 28 kilo that um, I ordered the day as well. Like I remember Angel sent us that, um, that? that email. What's up? Can you lift that? Uh, I think when we were working out, I was the one using the 28, no? Yeah, you were, you were. I was, right? Was I not? So I ordered a second one so I can do some dual work with that. Um, I was up last night till 2, 8. It was just so rough for me to be up that late, but I was finishing my group fitness. Playing Warzone. No, I wish. I, I, I was playing Warzone by myself the other day, and I just fucking sucked. And I just got like one yeah. kill, and I was like, yeah, all right. And then I got like killed four times. I'm like, all right, I'll come back. Dude, the so, last couple games, yesterday I played a couple games at night, like with my with my brother and a buddy of mine. I got pissed the fuck off. I was like, I'm done. I'm done with this fucking game. I like, I'm that like, I'm and, on, and playing online versus like against other people versus playing like computer, like generate computer is such a different, like this is obviously like well documented, but such a different you gotta game. You got to get better in multiplayer just, just as like practice. Well, that's why I figured. Like, let me just practice by myself and then join you guys. But uh, yeah. or kettlebell, some other stuff. I'll, I'll tell you guys off air. There's some really exciting things come. Uh, I'll and then also, I tuned in this morning. Um, I have a client train that I train virtually in Canada, and she organizes like a kind of equivalent of Perform Better Summit, and they call it Strive Leadership. 
And there's some really awesome speakers on there. And they're talking a little bit about like the virtual training world now, how it's, you know, it's a thing and um, someone else developing, um, again, more platforms online as well as virtual training like packages and stuff like that. So it was super interesting. I can share some stuff with you guys if you want, but I don't want to attract uh, too much time away from this and talking about uh, our guests coming on today. Uh, I've trained her for two or three months. You tell us, tell us this now. Is that the what? Does she does she host things like Perform Better? Well, it, yeah, I I thought I mentioned it. And I guess I didn't, but um, no. yeah, no, it's it, well, normally, yeah, it's it's just an equivalent. It's a Canadian equivalent, but it's it's it was awesome. The first probably a lot today, nicer. So. I'll tell you what, I was engaged. It was awesome. Um, and we're really very very relatable, very relevant um, to what's going on right now, right? With the virtual training. So that's what I think was more clutch about it as opposed to some perform betters have been, the one we went to was, was awesome, right? But now that, again, things have changed with COVID, it was uh, very good for that reason. But I don't want to track too, too much time with that. I know we're going to bring Antoine in as well. All right, let's do it. Let's get Antoine in. Let's get him on. Let's get this fucking guy. Oh shit. shit. Oh. <laughs> oh my god, David oh, Bravo. Bro. What's with that beard, man? Oh, it's on your head, bro. <laughs> oh my god. Look at Jacques with the blonde hair. Yeah, we oh can like little, little, little changes here. Angel's got the fade as well. You can't see yeah, that. Yeah, Angel's hair's yeah. growing. Yeah, I'm letting Angel's it grow on the growing. top. Yep. I like it. I like it. How you, How you doing? doing? You know, living the dream, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm living the, the quarantine dream. dream. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm in, um, I'm in Amagansett at my client's house. Oh, nice. Like in where? Days. Uh, it's uh, near Montauk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Are you staying, are you staying in the city like after that? Or uh, did you go up to Wisconsin? Man, we couldn't go to Wisconsin because Christine's dad is, you know, he's 70 and um, he recently had like some really bad uh, upper respiratory issues. So we just, we've been home mostly. Um, But uh, this month though, we've been, we went to Rhode Island, now we're here and then we're going to Aspen for 10 days. Oh, wow. Good. That's awesome. Have you been training? Have you been working? I've been working. Yeah, I've been working here and there. I mean, obviously not at the same volume, but definitely still working. Yeah. It's been a fucking shit show. It's a, I, I, you know, our, our industry is, it's in trouble for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I I shouldn't say that. Yeah, exactly. I shouldn't say that. It's not in trouble. It's, it's changing, but I think the indoor space, the physical space, that's, that's in trouble. I yeah. think it's it's a it's a change that's happened too sudden, you know. I mean, it's it was gonna be at some point that virtual training is gonna take over, not maybe yeah. not take over, but it's gonna be a big part, you know. And I think with every with the whole lockdown, everybody's like, wait, what the fuck? They just happened overnight, kind of, and it's just you know piecing around stuff. But yeah, it's hard to adjust. I think for a lot of people, it's I think yeah. um yeah, if, if you saw the writing on the wall, you knew uh, virtual training and sort of in-home training, in-home apparatus, all those things were sort of taking over, right? Yeah. You look at Peloton, you look at Mirror, and even Equinox was making a shift to 
putting machinery into people's homes. So you could sort of see that that was coming, right? But, but it, yeah, like you said, David, that should happen, <laughs> like, pretty much against everyone's will. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the biggest thing was, I mean, I, I thought it was going to be for a month, maybe. Like, once, like, beginning of March, everything shut down, and I told my clients, some of them were like, hey, I'm not stepping anywhere near the gym. And I'm like, yeah, cool, fine. I'll see you in a month or whatever. Yes, yeah. And, been it's fucking july it's almost august (laughs) (laughs) i know yeah i know it's crazy and it's it's insane and i think just with just making money it's kind of it's tough in a way just because you don't have the same number of people and they're just the logistics that are sort of confusing i think in terms of what happened with us but it's kind of like yeah i think um i think in terms of yeah, really building a, a long-term stable business. I think we're all sort of treading water right now, trying to find what, what, that's, what that long-term fix is, right? I think for right now, I think we're all sort of okay, but you know, looking out, if you want to look out a year, project out one year, two years, like can, you, can we do what we're doing sustainably in large numbers, and, you know, large enough to sort of live and have a good living? I can't. Uh, that's I think I that's that's a question yeah 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 it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out how's uh, how's your wife she's good man she's actually been working more than I have I mean uh, she's better than you yes yes she is it helps <laughs> it's true and that's not that's not a lot it's not a really high bar David Hey, listen. Listen, I don't know. Um, And you guys are feeling. She's been good. Thanks for asking. You guys are feeling well. I heard the other day uh, down the grapevine that you guys actually got sick uh, in the beginning. I I, I did. I got it. I got it. And um, wasn't it great? Yeah, it was awesome. Amazing. I mean, I was really sick for for like two days. I mean, really sick. Um, and one day was really, really bad. Um, wow. but then the rest was fine. Honestly, it was just like a normal sort of, you know, bad cold. Hmm. But one day I was laying in bed. I'm like, I'm sort of delirious and really weak. I had a high fever. Christine was yeah. getting freaked out. She was getting scared. And I sort of, I sort of just like roused myself up. I like jumped up. I was laying, uh, cause I was sleeping in the living room. So I was like laying on the couch. And I just started doing laps in our apartment. I started like walking back and forth in our apartment because I'm like, oh. fuck this. Like, I'm not, You're I'm not going to fucking, I'm not going to die from this fucking disease. No, that's how I felt. I'm like, mm-hmm. no way. Like, am I just going to like sit here and like, oh, I feel like shit. I just, so I got up and I just started walking back and forth in our apartment for, I don't know, like 20 minutes. And I felt better. I did. I did. Wow. Yeah. It, when it happened to me in the beginning, it was, I mean, for, for me, it started off as just pure body aches. And I don't know mm. if me doing 500 kettlebell swings the day before, because I remember vividly, I did 500 <laughs> swings on awesome, like man. a Monday. Of course you did. That's on a Monday. Right. <laughs> and the next day, the next two days, I, was, I couldn't fucking move. And then it hit me. It was like, it was bad. Five hundred swings so without bad. COVID is going to make you disabled was for a week. So Exactly. What do you think? But I was out for like three weeks. Yeah, it fucking sucked. Can we talk about why you did 
500 kettlebell swings? Like, because I was I'm bored. sorry you got sick, but like, why the fuck did you? Because <laughs> I was bored. <laughs> oh, okay. So you just like abuse yourself? I was like, board. let me fucking do this. <laughs> let me get a 28 kilo bell after not working out for a week. Let me just do 500 swings because that's some. I'm a smart idiot. Yeah, I guess. I guess so, David. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Doc did it too. Yeah, Doc we did it too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but oh. It, was, it was good for uh, again, like everything changing and limited equipment, and yeah, it was. Oh, let me just change up what I have of a program, and it was obviously on a cardiovascular standpoint good to have that in. I I can't really mm-hmm. run with my knees, so I was like, oh, this is a good, and it was it's good. I've done it a couple times where it's just easy to just not again like part of the difficulty in this scenario i feel like if we like we're setting our own programs right and it gets boring and again we have limited equipment so you have to be more creative and if you can just have one thing one tool and just go and not think about it there's there's a benefit to that too so and again it's you feel like you said you feel your hamstrings and glutes for like three days after um good oh, you felt? No, I, yeah i hear you i didn't I mean, fall though i didn't fall though i'm like david i said that's all you felt uh the second time, but then the first time, I think part of my back, I, I, I did those ring pull-ups that like Angel was talking about. And my back was like the sorest it's felt in years. Yeah. And I like, felt like, I don't know what, wouldn't, but. Wouldn't it be kind of like doing a bench press with kettlebells on each side? In a way? Oh, yeah. Like, they're like all over the fucking place. Unsta- un- unstable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. And it, that's why I think like it just such a stimulus in my body. But it's good. I like it. It's good. Yeah, yeah kettlebells, I feel like, are really great. I mean quarantine tool yeah if you usually if you have one you're doing you're doing everything with them there's actually a couple of tools that i've seen on instagram they're called uh y is in the letter y belt and something else and it's yeah it's like if you have the the kettlebell right the bottom and the handle and it's got a handle here here and here so almost like the uh, propeller of a, of a plane. On a, uh, oh, interesting. Yeah. And so what you can do is it's stable to be like in a push-up. You can use it as a dumbbell. You can do swing snatches. It, it, it's, it's very clever. It has the, the dual oh. combination ability of using like kettlebell on a dumbbell. And then the other thing I've seen is if we know vipers, like yeah. sort of like tubes of handles on the outside and water within the tube. Oh, so yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the ceramas is composed just being displaced and that Y bell sounds really interesting. Yeah. I'll, if I find out, I'll try and send it to you, but, um, I mean, I ha- I actually haven't really been, I haven't been doing a ton of weights at all. I've been using bands mostly and I've been cycling like crazy. I mean, I bought a site, I bought like a new bike and I just been like biking. Like I need to do all that the next. Time. I need to get a bike. Mm, nice. City bikes. Okay. I, but I need to get a new bike. It's not, it's not. It's not yeah. Same, I've been, yeah. I mean, out here, like I did a 50 mile bike ride. I went out to Montauk. I went wow. to the, I mean, it's it, like, like a road bike. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. It's, it's saved me. I think it saved my mind. Just like being able to get out and just be outside for, you know, a few hours has made a big difference. Nice. Nice. I highly recommend it. I'm going to, I'm going to look at, um, buy me a bike. Some today, yeah. <laughs> ship it to you i'll lend you a bike how about that i down let's let's do it yeah I'm, I'm gonna well you can borrow you can borrow my bike well you can borrow one of my bikes when i'm in aspen if you want well, yeah we'll chat we'll chat about that before you all right. go. yeah um all right let's get into some of the nitty-gritty questions that we had uh for you oh shit uh, 
Oh um, shit, here we go. So uh, this is gonna be a two part question, but uh, the first part is how long have you been in the fitness industry? About like 10 years or something like that? Yes, yeah, also, 10 years. Okay, and then also um, like how has your perspective on health and wellness changed in the past 10 years? Oh shit, man, that's a good question. Thank good you. question. All right, so I've been in the uh, you know fitness industry for ten years, and it's funny that you asked me that question right off the bat because like in the bio that I'm going to send you guys, like that was sort of what I said. I've been in the industry ten years, and in that ten years, I've seen the industry just like constantly changing, right? Constantly changing and evolving, and especially with the advent of Instagram and uh, I think like YouTube stardom and things like that. I think the idea of fitness has really sort of shifted. What does it mean to be fit? Okay, what, what does it look like when one is fit? And so I think what's changed the most, I think is you've seen sort of a branching out of ideas, okay? One is sort of this aesthetic idea of what fitness is, right? So if you look a certain way, then you're fit, right? If you have a six pack, you have low body fat, then you're fit. Okay, but we all of us know that that's not the case, right? You can have a six pack and be shredded and low body fat and not be fit, not be flexible, right? Like not be agile, not be able to move. And I don't see that as fitness. Okay, then you have, I think, another sort of area of fitness where it's very intellectual. Okay, like people are really sort of examining and analyzing what, what it means to move a certain way. Okay, what it means to sort of be strong, right? And then I think you have like a whole sort of alternative side, right? Where you have guys like Ido Portal and you have like Animal Flow and you have people just sort of moving around and using their body in sort of novel ways. And I think overall it's been really good for fitness. But I do think, um, I definitely think the advent of Instagram and YouTube has made sort of the aesthetic desires, I think, a little bit too strong. And I, I really... I would say, I would say if I could pinpoint one change, I would say like I had never um, been so exposed to like aesthetically driven fitness as I have been in the last sort of five years. Wow. So like the first five years, it, it was, I think a lot of people just, yeah, just like exercise, just doing different things and bench press and squats and deadlifts, you know, and kettlebells and gymnastics rings and then all of a sudden it was like fit competitions and bikini and you know bodybuilding and i feel like you know that could be a product of 76th street you know how 76th street has sort of changed but i do think um i do think sort of instagram and has sort of really driven that uh that's interesting you say that because when you look at some uh even even athletes and performance um like sports performance everybody's almost trying to look a certain part like they're an athlete but also a model on the side or like they have to have like an aesthetic that they're chasing along with you know just pure performance for whatever sport that they're playing which is actually it's 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 not the same right just because you look a certain way doesn't mean that you can perform a certain way but it's interesting to kind of see like how uh things have adapted over the past couple of years um with you know as you said like instagram um, YouTube, a whole bunch of other, uh, like, I guess, like the internet, just everybody seeing other people and just like, I need to be the next big thing, um, where it's like a celebrity and an athlete or, you know, 
even people, they, they just have to feel there's a need to feel like they're um, something more than what they currently are. Um, and aesthetics come first in that chain and then everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, that's exactly what I, I think. And um, yeah, for better or worse, I think psychologically from a, from a psychological standpoint, it's not good and not healthy. I think. Yeah, I do. And I think like if you, you know, there are a number of sort of studies that show, you know, body fat is a bell curve. Okay. You know, your lifespan relative to your body fat. Okay. If you have really high body fat, you have a lower lifespan, but actually if you have really low body fat, you have a lower lifespan. So, you know, and if you look at, if you just think about the body in general, right, just from like an anecdotal standpoint, it doesn't like extremes. Okay, like if you just sat around and eating, uh, sat around eating corn every day, right, eventually you would be malnourished, right? Or if you just did, you know, one uh, single arm chest press every day, you know, eventually you would just start, you'd, you'd be rotated, you'd hurt your back or your hip, right? Like the body doesn't like to be specialized. It usually likes like sort of a broad approach. And I think when you see people sort of approaching the body from like, oh, I gotta have a six pack, gotta have a six pack, right? Or I gotta have low body fat. I think it really, it, it's not healthy. I think it's generally toxic in any number of ways, physically and mentally. Yeah, I can, um, I can only assume like what your approach with kids, like there's that constant <laughs> uh, controversy with how do you train your kids? Do you train them for one single sport or one single position or do you generalize them, you know? Specifically, like keep them super specific from an early age or do you generalize their training but um yeah i i completely agree i think that it's uh the body would benefit from having a wider base or a wider foundation um as opposed to just like strictly one thing but um all right let's hold on david david are you talking because yeah you're Did you, you, well, oh you were muted can you hear me you're muted i was yeah yes anyway um <laughs> and i was gonna say it also works i think in the other side of the spectrum right like for me it was for a, a big majority of like my entire i think fitness journey was like squatting 400 pounds deadlifting six and that fucked me up to some extent you know like it just i've had my fair share of injuries and in, here and there but i think when i started incorporating kettlebells and doing you know some more cardiovascular work regardless of body fat percentage i think it just helped me mentally and also to reduce the risk of a lot of injuries yeah, yeah that makes sense i mean i feel like since i haven't been lifting weights my body has felt really good i mean you don't so yeah that's true i don't you're right yeah. i don't really lift you don't what I don't really lift weights. I mean, I, do do, I mean, I did. I don't do anything, you know. I'm just, you? I just, I just walk <laughs> around the gym and I pick something up and then I put it down. That's it. For the IG, and then you just stop. That's it. I, I pick it up and make sure everyone sees me picking it up, and then I put it down. <laughs> Hashtag sponsors. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yo, Ron, where you at? Shout out. <laughs> oh my goodness. Lulu sponsorship soon. Uh, talk a little bit about um, when you started exploring veganism and uh, did you learn anything wow. from that journey? So I started to explore veganism, hmm, I would say about six years ago. And 
you know, maybe more, maybe, maybe seven years ago. And really it was a product of Christine. I mean, Christine was like, you know, she gets eczema from dairy and she has uh, several other food allergies and she wanted to, you know, try to reduce the amount of irritation she had in her skin. And I think also she, you know, she was dancing at the time. So she was sort of looking for a way to, you know, keep her weight down. So when she first approached me, I thought it was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard. I'm like, no, you know, that's stupid. What do you mean? No, no animal for like no meat, like you're crazy. But then, you know, like, I think like a lot of things when you're ignorant, right. When you don't sort of have all the information, you make a snap judgment. And, and I read a little bit about it and I decided to give it a try. And I found it was just amazing. You know, it's like, like a light, like a light switch, you know, my body just ran really well all the time. I just had tons of energy. I just felt good all the time. And, um, and, but over time that sort of diminished. Okay. So like I was vegan for about, I would say three years. And the last year was sort of like, you know, I was, I was D3 deficient. I was B12 deficient and I was supplementing those things too. So like, it wasn't like I was, you know, not trying to not be deficient. I was like, you know, I'm taking nutritional yeast, which is really high in B12. I had it in all my food. Um, D3, you know, I would supplement that. And, um, but anyway, it wasn't a great last year. So, so I decided to do some more reading because I was super like, well, I, I thought veganism was sort of like the way, you know, like our bodies are sort of, it seemed like, oh, well, this is what our bodies are meant to do. How I, that's how I felt, you know, the first couple of years. But then how I felt wasn't, you know, lining up with that anymore. So um, I started you know, to do some more reading and I found out, whatever, it seems like a lot of tribes, okay, a lot of humans who just have a straight vegan diet, they're, they don't live very long. So this all sort of goes back to like longevity, right? So this is another, another time I'm using this example. They don't live very long, okay? And they're very small, all right? Uh, people who primarily eat meat, okay? They're very large, very big hearts, but they also don't live very long, okay? And the people who sort of are in between, you know, they have some dairy, they have some meat, they have vegetables, but they also sort of grow their own vegetables, right? They raise their own meat those people live the longest, okay? And it was a book called uh, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. Um, and it was written by, ironically, a dentist, but he, he wrote the book because his son died very suddenly. And he sort of went on this journey to sort of figure out like health and wellness, right? He was very curious about it. So he started st studying indigenous populations. And um, so along the way, I think like I found that being vegan being mostly vegan is sort of, I think, the best way. Like, so you're mostly vegan, but then incorporating some animal protein or products, right? Like some dairy, preferably non-pasteurized raw dairy, right? Like some beef, grass-fed beef, pasture-raised beef, um, same with, you know, any other animal. And I, found, I, I find personally that that's that's worked best for me so far, right? Maybe in a year or so, I'll, I'll have to read another book that will change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a, I mean, that's a, that's a, honestly, um, the book that you described, having the author had been a dentist doesn't sound too far-fetched because 
you got to look at dentistry when you want to try to figure out what types of food sources an animal would eat, right? Even going to like any animal, right? So you just got to figure it out. Like what, why do they have like mainly flat teeth? Why do they have like, uh, what is it, the canines? I don't know exactly yeah. like each tooth, um, like each depiction of the tooth. But like, why do we have uh, a hybrid? And I guess it's because of what you had described, like a versatile diet. Um, where you can eat leafy greens and you can eat like fruits and vegetables and maybe that's the primary yes. source of your nutrients and then like meats here and there. Um, but we wouldn't eat meat every single day, right? Like that's just no. eating it to exhaustion. It, you can't hunt like that. Yes. Yeah. And if you look at our digestive systems, you know, so our cecums, right, which like plays a big role in sort of breaking down meat. If you look at carnivores, they have these super long cecums, right? That's a uh, part of your intestine, super long. And it's so that they can sort of take that meat and hold it and digest it and break it down well enough so that they can get all the proper nutrients. But we don't have that, okay? And if you look at herbivores, for instance, they have like multiple chambers in their stomachs because we can't break down cellulose. Like we just can't do it. Like we, we, we're, we're not, our bodies aren't able to do it, which is why like the high fiber and vegetables is really good for us because it helps us shit right? But it's not good for, for nutrient consumption, right? We're not herbivorous, right? And we're not carnivorous, we're omnivorous. And I think like, I think like it's important to remember from a physiological standpoint and a biological standpoint that that's the way our, our systems are set up, right? It's not set up to be, you know, to eat meat every day, all day, but it's also not set up to just only eat vegetables. Yeah. Do you have any, um, uh, tips for uh, people who are trying to either go one way or the other, like uh, for people who are, because diet, or I, I shouldn't say diet, but like nutrition is a very tricky subject depending on the person and their situation and also depending on the age, right? I feel like kids are mm -hmm. more like, you can just throw a plate of food in front of them, they'll eat whatever it is eventually. <laughs> um, but uh, do you have any tips for people who are trying to make a change uh, to their nutrition? I would say uh, my number one piece of advice would be to uh, be willing to try different things, be adventurous and find what works for you. Don't necessarily uh, do what worked for your friend or what worked for your wife or sister, et cetera. You know, because you know, there's this field of nutrition called nutrigenics, okay? And it sort of examines, uh, you know, how certain foods react to your particular genetic profile. So if you eat a certain food, you have a certain type of gene expression, right? And it's very, it's in its very sort of infantile stages, but the fact is that each one of us will respond to certain foods in a different way. So my vegan might look very different from your vegan, right? And your sort of omnivorous diet will look very different from mine. And I think like be willing to play around and try what works, what doesn't work. And also um, be ready to be hungry a lot because you end up hungry a lot. <laughs> what I would say, like be, be patient and be ready to be hungry. Oh man, I don't even want to hear that right now. I had, I some, <laughs> I had some salmon last night and typically no. I have like a protein and a carbohydrate and I just had salmon. I was just, you know, I don't need, I was like, it's just in my mind. My mind is just telling me I need a carbohydrate to eat with this protein. Let me just eat the salmon. I was full. 
went to sleep, fine, whatever. When I woke up in the morning, I was starving because I'm just, I guess, so used to having like those carbohydrates, I guess, to hold me down overnight. I don't know what it is, but um, yeah. And I was, I had <laughs> sessions, so I rode the bike. I was downtown, didn't have food. And I was just like, I oh my literally, goodness. I feel like I'm dying. I, was, I think I got COVID. I'm on the bike, like city bike. <laughs> 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 oh my <laughs> God. I think um, I got COVID. Like, oh David, my God. COVID. David help. Um, but I, I already asked, I, I think I asked too many questions. I think I stepped on Jacques toes. So I'm going to pass the mic to whoever's next. So you guys can uh, continue going from there. Um, I have, I have a couple questions. Um, one that I just thought of now after talking about nutrition and veganism and what, what certain people eat, there's this thought, I think, or this, this idea that people or that civilization has evolved from eating a certain type of way to eating what it is, what's what we have, what we're supposed to eat now, or you have some people mm -hmm. that are, that are, you know, against veganism saying, Hey, we, we evolved into eating meat because this is all we had and we had to hunt and we had to do this. And the other people are saying, well, that's not the right way because we don't have these teeth that we don't have. That. So what's your <laughs> thought on, on that in terms of like evolution in what people would eat basically? Well, I think like to look at sort of our ancestry is I think a mistake, right? Because mm -hmm. the majority of our ancestors, they didn't live past like 25, right? They didn't live very long. So if you want to like start eating what they ate, okay, so you only want to live to 25. Like, I, I don't think like using our ancestors as a model for health is the, the best way to go about like being healthy in our diets. Um, but I will say again that like it's important to know what works best for you uh -huh. i think it's i think it's more of an individual basis and you know i hate the supposed i hate like thinking of things in that way what are we supposed to do because that sort of i think betrays intelligent design right and if we're going to start saying that there's some design here right then like there's main purpose then that means like my way of life could potentially be wrong, right? As could all of ours. So who's to tell us, by the way, what the right way of living our lives is? Who's telling us what the best way to eat is, right? Typically, it's a food company who's putting out an advertisement, who's telling you that, hey, like you need to eat, uh, you know, X amount of carbs, right? And it's really so that we can sell X amount of carbs, right? Like cereal companies want you to eat cereals, right? So that they can make money. Like I, and that's not on some conspiracy sh uh, shit. That's just like fact, right? Like who do you think sits down and comes up with, well, came up with a lot of those guidelines, the, the food pyramid, right? Like now my plate's a little bit different, right? They've, they've sort of consulted people who are a little bit more independent. But the fact is a lot of those doctors, a lot of those people doing research, they're paid, okay, by large companies to sort of, do the research that says their product is best. So I would say again, like my number one thing is like find what works best for you. Like, I don't think there's a supposed, right? Outside of our DNA, right? Which we're just not there yet, but, you know, technologically speaking, it would be great to get a blood test, right? And get your DNA mapped and then get a profile of all the foods you should and shouldn't eat, right? Which eventually is gonna happen. Yeah. Right? But we're not there. So if you eat something and you feel kind of tired or you feel off, guess what? You probably shouldn't eat that food. 
Right. <laughs> runs you're like yeah, <laughs> yeah, just keep eating it <laughs> you know how many people but think about how many you know how many people i know who are like oh yeah like i had like i had that burger the other night man it gives me the shits and it's like man every time i eat a burger i gotta take a shit and it's like okay so you get diarrhea every time you eat a hamburger <laughs> <laughs> like so why are you still eating hamburgers i don't i'm confused you know, like, but we all do that, right? We all do that. We have foods that we like it's, that we know aren't good for us. Yeah, weighing up that, oh, that satisfying feeling, taste for 10 minutes. And that for the, some people, for some of us, that's worth the, the outcome, the post-food post result. Yeah. Taco, <laughs> Taco that's Bell. why I've been Taco Bell this whole quarantine, because I love Taco <laughs> Bell, but I know it does to me. That's a, that's a perfect example. Yeah. yeah, perfect example. And um, so, like, it's, yeah. I think it's finding what works for you. And, you know, and like you said, Jacques, there is a psychological component that cannot be overestimated, right? That's super important. Like the satisfying feeling of eating Taco Bell for you is worth like the, you know, the pain that you I haven't endure. done it since quarantine. I just want to let our listeners know that. Just you know, carry on. I mean, I've, I used to, I mean, like right now, like pizza, for instance, if I eat pizza, I don't feel great. I don't get the shits or anything, but I won't feel great. But I love pizza. Right, I I love pizza. I still eat pizza. Right. But there's also there's also gray areas to that that point as well. Right, which I like I like to dive into as well. Where if we like for example, if you had Papa John's pizza, like when I used to live in Brooklyn, there was a Papa John's like on the block a every what? Sunday. Papa John's. <laughs> oh, first cool, right? Oh. I I I knew that David was gonna say something. Shut up, David. <laughs> anyway, there was I never had Papa John's. I don't know what the fuck Papa John's. Papa John's. So Papa John's. Papa John's. Oh my goodness Papa, gracious. Papa John's. J. Okay. So there was I have to when say, I, lived, I missed this. <laughs> the ripping. So there was uh-huh. in my second apartment in Brooklyn. There was a Papa John's on the block, and it was like every. It was like a ritual, right? It was like every Sunday, put the NFL on. Papa John's was so heavy, but it was so cheap. I wasn't making the same money that I was more recently at Equinox. And it's whatever, right? But like now, like what you're saying, I love pizza too. I think that's like one thing I would never get up. But now if I get something from either uh, uh, like quality and quantity combined as the variables yeah. where like if I go to like around here in House Kitchen, there's so many dollar slice places. If I get two or three slices, that's my that's a sufficient dose for me to get what I want but I haven't gone overboard on getting like a double or like an extra pizza from Papa John's. So like I've given yeah. a bit of a taste of what I want. And again, the quality is a lot, is a bit better. Or if I get a pizza from Trader Joe's, again, I'm not saying it's the cleanest, most purest food, but no, no. well, I love Trader Joe's, but it's, there's better yeah, foods out there for fine. that, for that choice. Right. If you made it home, home, homemade from a cauliflower crust or whatever, but that's, I think that's, 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 an, that's all right. Shut up, David. That's a, that's kind of, playing those variables that can be quite important when we talk to our clients about this kind of stuff as well is still keeping Quality. what you want. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But modifying it. Like it's the same thing with, um, right. Like clients have done this in the past where they've, they've covered up their McDonald's description by saying, Oh, I, for dinner, I had chicken with a bit of bread, lettuce and potatoes. They described a chicken sandwich. hundred <laughs> percent. I've heard that. Like when you, but if, but if a client tells you, if I chicken with lettuce and potatoes, you're like, that's a good meal. But when you mask it in a certain way, again, they're not lying. They're just telling you certain parts of the truth, right? So yeah. there's, there's that to be said as well, where like if you, you know, there's nothing wrong with having like a client of mine as well said, oh, 
because we were talking about nutrition. He said, oh, I purposely didn't have the bun because I was thinking, I was like, no, no, like if, or, or avoiding carbs. Like, no, that's, that's not the thought process we want to have. It's not, you can't have carbs. It's like, how are you measuring it? How often? And what the quality, you said, what the quality is. If, if you're having yeah. fries, yes, your potato intake is significantly higher. But if you were having the sweet potatoes and they were, they were like baked or with very minimal, that's a, again, it, but that's such a, interesting yeah, i think um i think the quality i think you bring up a really really good point and it also goes back to sort of david's point where we look historically at how we've eaten and what we've eaten so i would say i would make an amendment as far as like looking at our ancestors and what they ate i would say that the difference in the quality of food is probably paramount like they probably ate more pure food uh than we do now and I remember like, I don't know, like four years ago at uh, the Museum of Natural History, they had this really sort of awesome, um, uh, I don't know what you call it, right? And they exhibit. just had this exhibit, yeah, that was, um, that talked about the history of our food. And they showed sort of how we have bred our food to look a certain way and to taste a certain way. And they showed how corn, you know, corn was like this. Okay, originally, it's like this teeny little thing, you know, the corn that we all see and know and love, like most of it was very small. By the way, there are like 50 different species of corn. We only eat one species, which is a whole other topic. But anyway, like we bred it so that it would get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and taste better and better and better and better and better. All the while, we have no idea what that does to us, right? Like to our bodies, how our bodies respond to that. Right, it's the same with any number of foods, like apples were like super teeny, right? Like super small, like small things, they weren't huge like they are now. And the same with wheat, right? We've, we've sort of bred wheat so that it gives a higher yield so that we can feed more people. The shelf okay. life of these foods is what you're talking about have been improved by genetically modifying them as well, right? That's exactly, that's another thing, right? So like, I do think there's something to be said again, Jacques, so you, you make a really excellent point about quality and David, I think combining those points, right? Quality and historical quality, like, like what, what is best for the body? And I would say again, yes, find what's best for you, but it is important, I think, to try to stick to foods that are as close to natural, whatever that means anymore, but um, natural as possible, like locally produced food like locally grown locally raised it's, it's all that basically stuff. a lot a lot of what people think nowadays as boring food yes it's not the burgers it's not the pizza with the 50 million toppings it's more of like just fucking eat some broccoli or some fucking sweet potato you know a piece of salmon and you'll be so much better off than eating all that other crap that's very you know it's got just so much shit that you don't even know you know Yes. Yeah. It's like, it's like when you're looking at the at the ingredients and you can't pronounce half the shit. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. That's a, that's a telling sign. If you can't pronounce that name, if it's like, and and also, uh, one use of my chemistry major is the longer that chemical, the longer that name. Yes, usually the longer it's the about, chain. Yeah. So the more complicated that molecule, that element is. So. That's yeah. a that's another telltale sign. Along with yeah, the my, more man-made it is, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. And you know, I think it's funny. I think that's one of the reasons our country has been decimated by this virus, right? Like that I don't think is getting a lot of play. And it's something that has irritated me to no end, which is 
you know, hundreds of thousands of people die every year from heart disease. Okay, we're one of the most unhealthy nations in the world, full stop, right? We suffer from tremendous amounts of heart disease, diabetes, obesity, okay, which are all risk factors for this disease, right? Like, and that's something I think like hasn't gotten spoken about enough. Like we're an unhealthy nation. And if we were a healthier nation, we would have been better equipped to sort of deal with this disease. And I think it all sort of stems to, yeah, how we eat, right? How we sort of go about our day-to-day -day lives, right? Whether or not we exercise, et cetera. But how we eat is super important. For real. Um, I want to shift a little bit on, you know, current state of affairs. I know, Antonio, you have a lot of Whenever we're, oh, we're back out of work, we always have these conversations and things like that in terms of just shit that's going on and about some people just not taking it seriously. For example, right now, a quick question is like, what, what do you think about these people that are refusing to wear masks? Like it's, it's, a simp it's, a, it's a question that seems so trivial, but I think now mask wearing has become very political where mm -hmm. if you're wearing a mask, you are part of this school of thought and whereas if you're if you don't wear a thought you're patriotic because you're being infringed on your rights apparently because you're wearing a mask you know yeah i i think what we're seeing with the mask wearing is just uh human nature honestly um it's you know if you tell if you tell a human being not to do something enough times they're going to want to do it and i think like in this country we're so individualistic right? We're, we are an individualistic nation, right? It's all about us, ourselves. And um, the, the, the idea that we should sacrifice our comfort or happiness or anything for that matter for the collective good is a very sort, sort of foreign idea, okay? Which is why I think when you see the Eastern nations that have done a better job, like they're collectivist nations, right? The idea of sacrificing for the greater good is like not foreign at all. That's just what you do, right? But here, that's not the case. So I think when you see people, oh, I'm not gonna wear a mask, it's infringing, it's infringing against my rights, like it's very patriotic. I think actually at the end of the day, it is very patriotic, right? Because it's a sort of, it's a sort of, I would say battle cry for liberty and freedom, right? The liberty and freedom to do what you want. The only problem with that is, is it is also sort of, a large outpouring of stupidity, right? <laughs> like you're essentially saying like, oh yeah, I'm an idiot, right? I'm just an asshole and I'm also stupid, right? Like, yes, I'm doing what I want, but at the same time, I'm contributing to sort of like the very sort, the very malaise that I am trying to r rail against, right? I don't wanna be stuck at home. Like I wanna go to work. Well, it's like, okay, well, if you, if you and people like you wore a mask more often, we'd probably be able to go to work and leave home much sooner. But because you're fighting against this thing, like, you know, we're sort of- Like now. it's not real. Yeah, exactly. We're in July and we're about to be in August. And by the way, like come fall, it's all, it's all going to you know, again, probably, yeah. get worse again. So yeah. I think like- it, It's infuriating. Our, it's, it's infuriating, but it's, I understand it in a way. I do. I do understand it in a way because, look, is it sort of, is it 
think about it this way. The government has told us that we can't go to work, right? Essentially, we cannot go to work, right? We have to stay at home, but they're not paying our salaries. And rent isn't being, um, yeah. rent's not on hold. Nope. I still got to pay bills, right? Like I'm sort of cool. If you want to tell me, well, this is for the greater good. Everyone's got to stay home. You can't go to work. And here, by the way, here's either no rent, no bills, right. no nothing. Or here's your salary that you've been making, you know, for the last, you know, 10 years. I'm cool with that. But if you're going to tell me I got to stay home, I can't, I can't work. Earn, but I have to still pay. I can't How? earn. Yeah. But I still got to keep paying my bills. How's that work? Well, Especially if you have people f- like Jeff Bezos making $13 billion a day. It's- yeah, like, oh, and now everyone's at home ordering from Amazon as well. So he's making yes. more money. Yeah. So the way I see it is it, I can't be mad at those people because in a way they're sort of right. Right. Like you're taking all these things from me, right? You're taking my ability to move freely within the world. And you're telling me I have to do all these things, but you are not sort of compensating me fairly. Yeah. So I see it. I I don't agree. But the the thing is, in my opinion, your view on it right now saying that it's right because of what you just said is completely different from people saying I'm not wearing a mask because it's against my right. You know, whereas like it's kind of, (laughs) In it sticking it to the to people that are like fuck you you know you're weak because you're wearing a mask i'm like no asshole it's because i listen to the scientific community first i don't listen to this fucking you know person with fucking you know aromatherapy not to knock on people with that but it's like those are people that is just like <laughs> you know no you don't you know you have all you these you're not inhaling bleach fumes yeah like <laughs> it, I, it's insane. It, I think it's, I think it's not smart. I mean, and, and it, it's just tough. And that brings me to my last point be, be, before we, someone else asks, but education, I mean, you're big on education and especially now with COVID and even with the black lives matter movement, you know, not the movement, you know, as a collective, but I think just in general, um, how do you, how do you think education need, need, do you think education needs to play a bigger role in terms of educating people on COVID BLM, you know, just, just things in general. Yes. I think for me, I think education, as you all know, I think education is very important, but I think one of the most important things of education parts of education is that it sort of, it allows you to broaden your understanding of the world. Right. So like, Earlier on, we talked about diet and we talked about veganism. And I sort of said, like, when I first heard about it, I was like, fuck that. That's weird. Why would I ever do that? Right. But then what did I do? I read about it. I got some information. And I think, like, the big problem that we have in this country is that people don't, they don't get the right type of information. Okay. Too frequently, they get really bad information. Right. And then the other, they don't seek out information. Okay. But when they do, sometimes when they do seek it out, they get really just shitty information. But it's hard think, with the over, you know, just a shit ton of edu- of uh, news. Um, no, it's, it's true. They don't even know what's right or wrong. But that's, I think that's critical thinking. And that's sort of what education and higher education sort of gives you. Right. Like I would say like, even if I got nothing out of my, undergraduate degree like nothing like no usable skill like if there was nothing else that i got out of it it was critical thinking skills i would say that's what i would say i got that that helped me improve the most how do i evaluate information 
right? Like what's good information, what's bad information, right? And I think like that is sort of missing from a lot of people. They don't know how to discern from good information and bad information. Not only that, like, I mean, people are sort of stuck in their own bubbles. There's this great um, podcast called Rabbit Hole. I don't know if any of you guys have listened to that. It's a New York Times podcast, so good. And they sort of talk about confirmation bias. And you know what confirmation bias is? So like frequently when you go on the internet, you don't go on the internet to, to refute your beliefs. Okay, you go onto the internet to sort of solidify your beliefs, right? To confirm what it is that you already believe, right? So, and then when you're on Facebook or you're on Instagram, what do you do? You, you befriend people who confirm those beliefs, who believe the same things as you, who think the same way as you, right? Very few times do we seek out information that conflicts with our sort of ideas and beliefs. So, I mean, like there are so many issues, I think, that compound what's going on now. But I do think a lack of education is one, but it's deeper than that. I don't know if, it, if I could just say it's, if I could just say it's a lack of education. Because by the way, there's some really highly educated people who are Trump supporters, right? Like, I mean, highly educated people, PhDs, right? Who spent, you know, their whole lives educating themselves. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing too with, and I think I made this point on the earlier episode of the podcast was um, whatever study you look at, you know, let's say for example, real, like squatting, squatting past, you know, parallel could be beneficial than squatting above parallel. But you have people like LeBron James squatting above parallel and people are like, oh, but he does it. So I want to be athletic like him. So it's right. And yeah, I right. made a point of highly educated people with PhDs like saying Trump is the greatest president ever. And then you have other people saying, oh, but he says it and he's really smart. So I'm going to believe mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. So it just mm -hmm. has to do, like you said, just discerning what's bullshit and what's not. Yeah. There's so much to it, you know. It's education, but then it's how we're raised. It's where it's we're raised. It's education. Part of it's our surroundings. Yeah. And, and part of it is us, by the way. But also, and it's the hard. Agency it's that we hard. Have. Yeah, I mean, life nowadays, is fucking hard. It's, I mean, nowadays, too, the last thing before we, we move on, I don't want to take more of your time, but... Um, my time? I'm not doing anything. This is the most exciting part of my day. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but... So the thing is, um, <laughs> um, it's also hard nowadays to ask people about their culture. It's hard because you don't want to be politically incorrect. For example, let's say, you know, this is, a, this is an extreme example let's say you go up to somebody that you grew up thinking that they only like watermelon. They love fried chicken. They're thugs. They're super predators. They're this, this, and that. And you're like, Hey, do you, do you like watermelon and fried chicken? And the people be like, what the fuck are you like? What? Like, are you racist because you're asking me this? Like, it, it's tough nowadays too, with, you know, political correctiveness and not trying to offend people. And it, it's just, it's hard. Like what, what is one way you would probably go about trying to learn about other people's cultures without being offensive? You know, David, that's a really good point. Uh, people are very sensitive. It's difficult to have certain conversations, um, especially conversations that you, where you're on op, you're opposing sides um, and not take it personally. Um, what, what would I do? I, I would, you know, I think it's all about how you sort of preface that type of question. You know, I think if you go up to someone and say, do you like watermelon? Like, I hear you guys like watermelon, but is that true? You know, like that's a little insensitive, right? And that 
and and I think for someone to hear that they're sort of within their bounds to take it however they want, right? They could take it like, what the fuck are you, what? Like, why are you saying that? But if you say, hey, like, you mind if I ask you a question? Might seem a little insensitive, but honestly, I don't know, right? Like, I'm just curious. You're gonna get a much more favorable response than if you're just like, you, you like fried chicken, right? Like, you, wait, you can play basketball though. <laughs> like, I know you guys. No? Oh shit. Okay. Oh shit. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And I yeah. think um I think that like growing up, that was I encountered so many people who were sort of just like, oh yeah, like you like you can dance and you can play basketball and like your dad's. You played a lacrosse, didn't you? And like I yeah, I played lacrosse. Yeah, I too. didn't play basketball. Yeah. They all wanted me to play basketball. I'm like, I don't fucking play basketball. Like I'm okay at basketball, but that's not my sport. Like I like to run or I like to hit things and like yep. you know, like that's what I like to do. So I play football and I play lacrosse. But I do think that how yes, people are sensitive. All right, to your point. People are very a lot more sensitive. But then I think the other end of that spectrum is that people don't have tact, all right? We're not as tactful a uh, society as we used to be. Like so many, so many norms and man, so, so many ways that you would behave and it, towards other people have sort of gone by the wayside, right? You know, the chivalry is dead, right? That's true. You know, people aren't kind. They're, ne they're not necessarily kind to one another anymore. I mean, how many people have you seen help an old woman cross the street, right? Like, and, and that sounds stupid, right? But like, why not? I help old people cross the street if I feel like they need to cross the street. Like, that's sort of your, that should be your part of your civic duty. And yeah. I think the ideas of how we treat one another have shifted so much because of like, are me, 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 me ways, right? We're an individualistic nation. And then I do think social media compounds that, right? It makes us even more fixated on the self. Um, I think we forget that like, oh, I need to be considerate of like what you're feeling. Yeah, 100%. I mean, great, great point. I mean, this could go on so long, you know, even with like yeah. cancel, cancel culture, like, but it's, I, I, I don't want to take any more time away yeah, from we, the questions we have for you yeah ask away i'm good i'm good i'm enjoying this cool um so i wanted to ask you uh, on a different note more about how you typically i know you spoke about right now it's been mostly bands and cycling like out west or uptown but how have you how have you typically designed your program pre-covid during covid um and like how far would you go to describing or categorizing it so like pre-COVID, um, my programming was, uh, I think I was sort of floundering in my programming. I didn't really have a, a central theme or central goal. The number one thing was that I just wanted to, um, I just wanted to like be healthy and strong. Um, right before COVID. And what does that I, I look got, like for you as well? So when yeah, you talk about being healthy and strong, like how, what is, because everyone's got their different uh, yes. image of the like. Yeah, right before COVID, it was more um, flexibility um, and like being able to like pull my leg a certain length, you know, like towards my head. That was like a big thing. I'm like trying to get my hamstrings more flexible. And, um, and then squatting, that was like my strength measure. Like I was, so I would squat like once a week and um, I was trying to like, 
I was just trying to sort of maintain a certain rep and weight sort of threshold. But honestly, like right? What's that? Like 90% every time you squat? No, no. Like, much. no, not that much. Like 70 to 80% of one RM probably. And, um, and I did, I, I was only doing it once a week and that was really it, honestly. And I, I, like I said, before COVID, I was sort of floundering in my programming. Um, before that though, I was, um, I was doing a lot of kettlebells. That was like my, I was doing, a, I was doing like a, let's see, what was I doing with the kettlebells? I was doing a, um, a threshold series, right? Where I would try to do like, like you guys are saying 500 reps of swings. Swings, yeah. So I would do like every day I was doing uh, like 200 reps, uh, single arm swings, 100 reps per hand, right? That was sort of a thing I had, I had done like maybe three or four months before. What was the the drive behind that and the like science that you'd see you'd research about it saying, bro, I got so I just get bored. That was that was my there, the drive behind that was boredom, and then the yeah. science was was nil, right? Like I, there was no scientific thought really given to it. So similar to what we discussed earlier, if I'm, I'm hearing if I'm if I'm hearing what you're saying correctly, that just sometimes the downside of being fitness professionals and and even though we love our jobs, that one downside, if we are always composing programs and designing exercise, um, uh, what's my train of thought? Like just, just programming in general, having mm -hmm. that standard, simple, but variable number of reps, it, like I said, it's just easier. And it's like, all right, this is going to be on my two days of warm up or my, my cardiovascular, uh, metabolic finisher. So similar kind of theory yes. thought process behind that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, w I mean, I went through a phase where I was doing like the uh, slider board, you know, I would do that twice a week and I would do like 10 rounds at one minute and I would do like a typical Tabata, like one minute on 30 seconds off. And like, I mean, it, it was, I haven't been, I haven't been on a program cause I haven't had a goal, you know? And I think like that's sort of a, what I think we as fitness professionals sort of forget right? Like, why do we program? We program because we have a goal, right? right? If you don't have a goal, then do you really need to program? I don't know, right? Like, because what's the, I mean, what's really the point? Like, why, why are you putting your body through these paces, right? If you have nothing that you're striving for. And that was right. sort of where I'd gotten to in the last, I think, year, where I'm sort of like, I have no goal. There's nothing I want to do, nothing I care to do. And I like, I want my body to feel good. So I'm just going to do what feels good. And if it doesn't feel good, I won't do it. But like, if I get a goal, then I'll program for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. but I haven't had one in so long. What was the last goal you had then? And what, what was that program look like? The last goal I had. Bodyboarding? We can see you doing bodyboarding. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I was gonna say for um, people that's who not are throwing shit. That's not throwing shade on bodybuilding. No, no, it's just, just funny. It's just funny because you know that I'm not into. It's just not. It's just a different alley to you. Yeah. I was gonna say yeah. for people who are wondering what happens when you reach all your fitness goals, like this is what the end looks like. You're just like oh, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I think um, my <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> my last goal was I think we had we were gonna have a comp. This one, Rob Johnson still worked at Equinox. Who remembers Rob Johnson? I remember we were going to, we we're going to have a, we we're going to have a competition 
um, and um, it was like burpees. Um, oh, I remember uh, that. Was that the end of a, for, uh, a forum or something like that? Or was yes, that, that was yes. like a competition? Pistol squats, I think, was part of it. Yes, but but then it got canceled. Right. Like, we were gonna have a competition, and then it got canceled, and then that was Shop, the last yeah. time I. That was the last time I trained for summer. <laughs> I remember Honestly. That. I was a new hire when that happened, and I was like, wow, these guys are insane. They made you stand up at the front. Hi, I'm uh, Angel. Uh, and, uh, uh, I'm so three things about family. me. I like video games. <laughs> I, don't I don't like avocado. I don't like avocado. I don't like avocado. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's the first thing I don't like Everyone's like, fuck yeah. this guy. He doesn't like yeah, avocados. Right. We can't hang with him. <laughs> Get this guy. Your last name's what? Yeah, <laughs> totally you don't have a collar? This guy's hilarious. He's comedian. Get this guy out of here. <laughs> this guy's hilarious. But the goal setting is like uh, to hop on that is kind of a glass goal I had was one of my lifting meets. And that's when I was, I think, a little more serious in terms of what I was doing. Now it's kind of like, well, let's let's just move around. Let's just do some yeah. kettlebell shit. You know? I think that's a, a great point you, without injecting what you're about to say, but I think that was something when I speak to my clients about if there is loose or or tight uh, measures around the kind of programming where i think and it's a little bit like eating the mo- and even with regeneration i think you need to have those days where you don't have a set time you wake up or go to bed you need to have those days when you don't you go a little more like with what you fancy with eating right like oh you know this like either that your body like we spoke about earlier doesn't agree with but it's something you enjoy like okay like once in a while same with moving i think if you have that mm-hmm. one day a week where there isn't too much rigid structure where like, like personally, for example, I always do a lot of four by tens. There's just what I would think works well. It's what I like, but sometimes mm-hmm. whether it's shocking the body where it's doing something different doing 10 of 10, 10 by 10 or three, whatever it is. I think that's an important aspect to just, again, move like, and if yeah. you can, if your measure of that workout or that your program is, well, I'm pain free. I sleep well. I'm eating well. I'm healthy. No underlying conditions. Yeah. And those, those I think, can sometimes be overlooked qualifiers yes. of what a good program or a healthy lifestyle is, right? Like you said, if you don't have abs or if you don't have a PR squat or you don't have, like, sick biceps, I don't know how that feels <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. right? Um, like, th- those are over often overlooked. Like, if you can say, again, if you can just be back down to earth and be like, wow, no, I have to just realize, like, I have good health. I don't have any issues. I can sleep. I, I don't whether you know whatever it is i think that's often overlooked and is yeah. important to just tie that in even if you have a program that's pretty rigid having that one I day think, right like we spend so much time trying to analyze and plan everything right, right? so like and i also think like you know i'm like oh i'm i was in you know did my undergrad, I finished undergrad and I'm like right to graduate school. And so like, I'm like on this rigid structure. So I think like sometimes when I'm in the gym, it's just like, I just want to do it. The last thing you need is structure. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. The structure of of an hour being here is sufficient, right? If you, in a day so structured, this is the only time in the day I get to work out. That's sufficient structure sometimes. Yes, exactly. And so I think like, I think that's played a role. Now, now with COVID, I feel like, um, I, I've probably been a little bit more driven to like really do something. So I've been on, I've been on the bike, like setting goals, setting RPM goals, setting wattage goals, setting, um, you know, mileage goals, things like that. And I think like, 
I think that because I don't have so much structure that I've now sort of fallen into trying to find structure in my workouts. That's cool. I kind of um, want to um, take over from that, that point as well, where you mentioned like now that things look different and you spoke about how the industry is going. I, again, I, I would, I have to admit at the beginning of this, I thought the industry was going to dissolve or not dissolve, but like seriously not be the same. Whereas I think it's just molding, right. And changing a little bit. And, um, but I, I, it kind of leads me to ask you what is in terms of career, what, what are you ultimately looking to achieve? Where do you hope, again, we spoke about structure and rigid and like your undergrad. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Where, like, let's say like 10, five, 10 years from now, like what do you ultimately hope to be at a career level, like career wise? Well, well, I hope to fucking finish my master's. That'd be great. Um, and then, um, I, I looking at doing some work with, um, with motor imagery, right? So like, what happens, you know, when we perform any type of movement is we create an abstract rendering of, of it in our brain, okay, before you do anything. And a lot of people have learned to sort of manipulate this abstract visualization or motor imagery, like athletes do it all the time, um, musicians, uh, to sort of further their either physical goals, but also mental goals. And right now as far as like our industry goes with exercise and wellness and things like that there isn't a lot of focus on that okay so like one of my clients is like i've i've really sort of i mean he's not even my client anymore he's just my friend because i haven't trained him in you know, five years but i've gotten him to really he's sort of really bought into the idea of visualization and meditation and like he's is he's super like his life has changed whatever I, I haven't even had sort of like the experience that he's had, but he wants to sort of start a business and, you know, really try to bring the idea of using our minds, right. To sort of change how we use our bodies. And I, and what I'd like to do, you know, over the next several years is continue to do research on in that area. Okay. Continue to sort of like find out, the mind, find out what's behind the mind-body connection. Like what's really underneath. Like one of the studies I'm gonna do um, when this next semester starts is how important is knowledge, or like prior knowledge of systems um, in motor imagery. So what I mean by that is like, each one of us uh, on this call have prior knowledge of anatomy, right? So like, if I said to you, for instance, um, you know, you're gonna do this exercise, I want you to focus on your hamstring contracting, okay? How much uh, does prior knowledge of what the hamstring is, okay, what a contraction is, and then what a contraction looks like, okay, how big of a role does that play in the efficacy of whatever it is I'm trying to have you do that involves the hamstring? I would say a now, there's lot. some there, huh? I would say a lot. Now, anecdotally, there's 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 some research that points to the fact that it being a lot, but no one's really done the research. Yeah. So that's something I want to do, and also like um, there's um, using modeling, right? So like uh, using like a model of you and your movement and your body to sort of get you 
to further your movement and your body. So what I mean by that is like, you come in and I say, okay, hey, Angel, how you doing? I'm going to take, um, you know, some anthropomorphic measurements. I'm going to do a, um, I'm going to do a virtual rendering of your movement. So we're going to have you walk in this treadmill. We're going to have you squat. We're going to have you do all these different things. And I'm going to record it in a, uh, on a program on a computer. I'm going to take that movement. Okay. And I'm going to take your measurements and I'm going to render sort of the ideal version of whatever it is we're trying to do. So let's say Angel comes in and Angel's a runner. Angel wants to, you know, take whatever, uh, 30 seconds off of his mile. So we look at Angel's run and we say, okay, like, this is how you need to run. This is what it looks like. Okay, not just like what you need to do, right? Not just saying like, oh, we need to strengthen this or strengthen that or stretch this or stretch that. But we need to actually get you to look at what your ideal run looks like at that speed okay, to get that time, all right, and then use visualization or motor imagery to get that done in conjunction with, like, uh, actual sort of movement. And so optimizing like, the everyone's performance, right? Like making yes. sure, uh, look, identifying if there's more opportunity with utilizing more percentage of our brain to improve performance. Yes, using the programs in our brain. Yeah, using more what's already there, right? Okay. Because... Again, it's there, and that's like it's that's been probably the most interesting part of this program that I've been doing. That's the most interesting thing I've learned so far, which is like, yeah, how much we use imagination and visualization to move through the world, right? Our posture, our gait, everything is like it's there's there is a a reel of it in your mind, okay? And by the way, that reel gets compiled through your life, right? Like as a child, right? Like for children, you have to reach over and over and over and over and over and over again. And like the brain is just building a program on how to reach. Like, you know, so babies yeah. are, that's why their limbs are all fucking all over the place, right? But then eventually it becomes more directed and more guided and like then it's more precise. And then, it, then they're just working on, yeah, just precision and nuance. But at first it's all over the place and your brain is building these programs and then it hardwires these programs you know, in your mind. I think that would be really interesting to see that develop for a number of reasons. And the, the first thing that comes to mind is when we speak about optimizing our movement uh, quality, um, and like you can talk about whether it's mobility, uh, whether it's efficient recruitment of the muscles that you're talking about. It's interesting because we know that, let's say you took 10, 10 first people that walk in the gym first thing, like 5.30 a.m., right? Every one of those people has a, has a different movement pattern um, potential almost, or like just generally what their movement look like, right? And but mm -hmm. some work in different professions, right? Some are more in hands-on profession, some are more academic, some are more, you know, let's say there are sometimes there's some, but even if you think about like the different kinds of doctors, right? They have some that are they're working for the neurologist, some that are working for more in orthopedics, like those are two different, well, I would say two different, but those are different compartments in medicine where they've just got either an understanding or component of their brain they're able to recruit that works a little differently than the other doctor, right? And I, it makes me think about, let's say if we talk about us, trainers, right? Trainers are more, typically, even after a learning process, usually they're trainers for, for a reason, for a profession, because they're the ones that can almost exhibit better movement patterns than maybe the average person in, in the public, right? So mm -hmm. if we talk about some of our clients and that maybe have 
if we have more movement wealth, they have more financial wealth. It'd be mm-hmm. interesting to see it, how, how, um, what the world looks like if those who are financially wealthy are able to look more into their physical wealth in terms of movement mm-hmm. wealth. And those of us perhaps, um, like us that have higher levels of physical wealth and we're able to tap into more financial wealth, like of some sort mm. of realm. I'd love to see, you know, like, mm. yeah, I mean it, like it, that's sort of the idea, right? Like using, using what you have to develop what you want. Right. Right. And I do think like it's an, I like that physical wealth. I like that term, right? We have, well, Anthony G brought it suit. up. He spoke about clients where can I look so, can I, can I look sick in two weeks? And he's like, well, when is all like, it was like for someone's birthday and he's like, when is it two weeks? He's like, can I be as rich as you in two weeks? <laughs> then you're like, well, obviously not. Like, and that really, I think I haven't ever used that of a client, but I think that's the really smart way of yeah. leveling the, the playing field. Go on. Sorry. Yeah. No, 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 no. I, 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 it, the whole point is like how much, how much prior knowledge do our clients or the layman need to have, right. Mm. To sort of achieve our physical wealth. Right. right and that's right. sort of what I'd like to look into. That's the research I want to do. And that's sort of like in the next, yeah, like five to 10 years, what I'd like to be able to do is be able to sort of manifest the research I'd like to do and on that connection, right into some sort of protocol for the layman for you know narps right for everybody no <laughs> yeah sure like how do you do want we... to define that for our listeners yeah. what narp is <laughs> yeah non-athletic regular people <laughs> i think but mike like, came up with that didn't he no i came up with oh, that you came up with it oh my bad <laughs> yeah. i think i did you know the thing is is um the thing is is i've already used some of this visualization with my clients to great effect I mean, I've had clients sort of close their eyes and focus on their hamstrings being longer and more mobile, and they achieve more length, okay, more range of motion in their hamstring than they have the entire time I've been working with them, right? Just the, the idea of imagining your body doing something, right, is, can be enough. Mm-hmm. And there are studies that show that people who, you know, people who, um, you know, just imagine, for instance, moving or abducting their big toe. Just imagine it. They don't ever do it, okay? Can actually achieve gains in abducting their big toe. So they measure them first, right? And they have them just sit and imagine abducting their big toe and they do it over like two weeks. And then suddenly they can abduct their big toe with greater range and greater force. Interesting. Right? Like, yeah. so, I mean, it, it works. It's there, do you know? But like, yeah. I don't... I just don't, we haven't, there hasn't been a, there hasn't been someone I don't, I, at least that I've seen to take that sort of mechanism of motor imagery and visualization to some, yes, to something that everyone does and can do and utilizes to make themselves better. That's awesome. All right. Definitely keep us posted on that. Cause that's a really, that's a really interesting concept. I love, and it's something that, what's that? Okay. I don't know if it'll work on you though, David. <laughs> no i definitely will yeah yeah i'm gonna be doing hopefully you know if i you know i don't know what's gonna happen with this semester i need to get lab access oh right yeah labs i wonder how that work 
Well, I think that's um, I think that pretty much wraps up like everything we want to cover. Uh, I don't know if these guys had any other any questions or topics they want to jump on or. Uh, I had one thing um, that I just wanted to run past you because I was thinking, like any conversation with Antoine, it's hard to like walk away and be like, "Oh, that was wasteful," right? Um, but oh, one well, of the that's things... very nice. Thank you. I appreciate it. No, one of the things that I thought about um, <laughs> it was actually when you, when you were talking to David. Uh, you guys had some constructive thing going on where you were talking about how like we have like our own circle and you know on Instagram especially and like all these social media outlets it's, it's only what you want to hear and what you want to see and I'm, I'm thinking in my head because I had gone out to different circles or I had you know during the whole Black Lives Matter thing like people were like either strong left or strong right everybody was kind of like divided in that regard and some of the stuff that I saw um, got me kind of like frustrated and I sat there and I thought about it and I was like oh I'm gonna unfollow or I'm gonna like read the comments and then you read the comments and then you see all this stuff and you know part of it was like for me I was just thinking like why am I so upset right like mm. my heart like starts beating starts sweating like I'm just like you start to get angry right like you start to get like fuel but you're just like uh, apart another part of me was like why are you upset right now like why are you, what is it that this person had said that got you offended or got you to this point um, and obviously some people say like strong, use stronger words than others, but some people don't, right? But it's just like, we perceive it as one of those things that like, now that this person has upset me, I am going to unfollow or I'm going to like report or do whatever mm. or comment. But what if as a social exercise to kind of like expand, we don't do that, right? Because cancel culture is a thing. And it's kind of like, you got to see, I don't know. I mean, you can do whatever you want, but I think it's an interesting <laughs> point that where we're at right now, because it's easy to kind of just like dismiss somebody or it's easy to kind of like blame somebody for something. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. what's harder to do is kind of like uh, taking responsibility for not oh, only yes. like what, like what I say and what I do, but also how I feel in response. Feel. To yes. Yes. Angel. Right. Like That's I don't, so true. it's, it's, you know, I don't have to get enraged, but I am enraged. So why am I yes. enraged? And then yes. start to like figure that out. And, you know, I don't know. Just when you and David were going back and forth, I was thinking about that. And I was like, maybe that could be a social exercise. I get enraged quickly as fuck right now, nowadays. It's like. <laughs> but it's also I like, think... you got to figure out why. I mean, you don't have to, but like, why do you get enraged? And what you is should. It? You should figure out why. Well, should. I think it's, you're a better person if you sit down and you figure out why you're so enraged, I think. Mm. And um, I mean, that's such a good point, Angel. I mean, like, I, 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 you know, one of the things I, I try to always espouse is the idea that the only variable in life that you can control is yourself. Okay, you can't control anything else. You are the only variable you can control. Now, obviously, there's some exceptions to that. I mean, if you get a brain aneurysm and die, you can't control that. But for the most part, you can control yourself, okay? And so when something upsets you, okay, when something bothers you, I do think you have a responsibility to try to take ownership over that feeling and understand why you're feeling that way. Do you know, like too frequently, like you said, Angel, and it's so, so true. It's other people's faults. 
it's not my fault I feel this way. You've made me feel this way. It's like, well, what? I just said hello. I just asked how you were doing. What the fuck are you talking about? I didn't, I didn't even know. I didn't know that hello was a curse in your culture. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like you can't just blame me because I'm an easy target, right? And I think that we have grown up, all of us, right, in our sort of age range, have grown up in a world where responsibility for how we feel has not always been taught. You know, ownership, agency, those things, those things are not as strong in our generation as they were in generations past. You know, we don't have that, we don't have a great, the same sort of great cause, you know, World War, Vietnam, like, yes, you know, we have Black Lives Matter, but even that, I mean, it's fragmented, there's no central leadership, there's no central goal, there's no sort of, everyone's not sort of, we're sort of striving for what, equality, or, you know, what does that even mean? We're, right. we're striving for acceptance. Like, what does that even mean and look like, right? Materially, okay? Don't give me, you know, we're, we're built on ideals now. We live our lives by ideals, and ideals are great, but they're ideals. You know, they're not practical. They're not meant to be practical. They're meant to sort of give us something to strive for, okay? But to envision that we live in an idealistic society, I think is naive. And I think we're taught that. I know I was, okay? And I know for a long time, you know, I was like an angry person. And I always sort of like thought it was everyone else's fault, my parents' fault, you know, my brother's fault, whatever. And really it's just my fault because I allow myself to let anger consume me instead of sort of analyzing where that anger is coming from and taking control over it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. So maybe that's yeah, really good. Really good point. Yeah. Maybe as a social experiment, like next time any of us or any of our listeners get upset, agitated, and enraged as David. So I'll, I'll text you guys in about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> David, David, keep an anger journal. Keep an anger journal. Dude, man. How many? One for the, one for the month? That's a, no. What, yeah, what, yeah, that's a good idea. No, I, I was joking and saying if you get so angry, he'll run out of journals. You'll have to keep writing. Me, <laughs> the thing with, with being mad and enraged, like, I'm very good, I think, at analyzing like, why, I'm, why I'm enraged. Like, I see something, I'm like, this is fucking pissing me off, but this is why, you know? Um, for example, whatever, you know, our, our president is fucking saying, whatever Trump is saying enrages the fuck out of me. And with my morals and with my, you know, understanding of, you know, the greater good and things like that, I have, in my opinion, every reason, every right and every reason to get every mad reason. at this fucking asshole. Raisin. Yeah, raisin I, in the so sun. See, when I get enraged, <laughs> I can't even talk. But well, see, thing, that's, that's why you thing. should control your rage, David. And your reasons. Yeah, and that's, that is important, though. Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes you get to that point, but it's because, for whatever reason, I'm sure there's a science behind being enraged and being angry or any sort of emotion extreme. It's difficult to communicate. Like, it breaks, mm-hmm. it breaks it down for whatever reason. It's very difficult. Like, it's difficult to form words. You start saying raisin when you meant reason. Right. Yeah, and, you're in you're in fight or flight. Right. And we need to be <laughs> able we need to be able to understand that and then control it, right? Because at 
at those extremes is probably when we need to speak clearly or communicate clearly the most. Well, that's um, when people die. I and mean, it's an honestly. exercise. It's an exercise that if you don't utilize, you will just freeze up and you won't know how to get out of the situation. And it could cost you your life or your friend's life or, you know, a whole bunch of others. Well, it cost, it cost my brother. I mean, my brother was killed like maybe like a week or two ago. Oh, because sorry, he got man. That's it's okay. Wait, sorry, he got into, oh shit. Yeah, he was he was he was shot and killed like um maybe like 8 days ago, something like that. I'm sorry, dude. 9 days ago. Fuck. That's a, yeah. look. It happens, obviously. <laughs> it happens. And I bring it up because it's relevant to our conversation where he got into an argument and with someone and neither of them were sort of able to to, to dissipate the anger and frustration that they were feeling, right? And I'm sure both of them would have said that they were right at the time. And I think like that's something that, again, we aren't taught. We're not taught to disagree with one another. Like we're taught to avoid disagreement at all costs, right? Like you don't talk about religion, you don't talk about um, politics. politics, right? Why? It's a stupid rule. It actually, it's like, you don't, you don't talk about that because, you know, oh, you might lose your cool, you might say something you don't mean, as if, like, that's okay. Like, that's cool. Like, there are topics out there in which you can get so enraged that you're going to say something that you don't mean and ruin a relationship. Well, why don't we talk about the fact that that exists? Why don't we talk about the fact that, like, you can't have a conversation about a topic that you're sensitive about without taking it personally. And like, why don't we do something about that? Because you shouldn't be walking around like not talking about arguably the two most important topics in our lives because you're afraid to disagree. Yeah. Because if you disagree, you're going to fight. Like learn how to disagree. Like we need to learn how to disagree. And we don't, we're not taught. tough tough it's, it's tough. like saying you know disagree with the racist and I just let it but, be but, but the that's racist, like an extreme listen, example no but i think it's a perfect example david because as much as we hate as much as we disagree with racists as much as we think of racism as being abhorrent and a terrible sort of thing and it is like those people exist they, they have points of view, and at the end of the day, they want the same exact things that we do. Yeah. And if we can't sort of learn, right, and it's, again, it sounds crazy, and I think this is where we get caught up. It's like, they're racist. Like, why should I have to talk to them or agree with, like, why should I have any sort of dialogue with a racist? Like, well, because they're your fucking neighbor. And, you know, you're, gonna, you're all going to get, um, you know, a water bill. And you're all going to have to pay it. And you're all going to have to, like, live in a community with one another and exist. And if you don't, then you might as well just, you know, get a gun or go on the street and just, like, kill one another and see who, see who comes out, you know, alive. And that's the direction we're headed. We're headed towards a fucking civil war because, like, we don't want to sit down and talk. It's yeah. like, well, fuck you. Your ideas are wrong. And they're like, well, fuck you. Your ideas are wrong. And it's like, well, okay, well, look, why don't we both just agree we, we have different views about life 
like we completely disagree here. But like at the end of the day, we both want a job. We both want an income. We both want health, right? We want our kids to have a better lives than what we've had. Like there are so many more things I guarantee that racists and the people that they hate would agree on than that they would disagree on. And that's what's so fucked up. Yeah, but we can't even agree to disagree like you like yeah, just yeah. put. Like, that's too much, right? So that that's the problem. And I think that we're seeing the ramifications of it um, currently. And, uh, yeah, we'll see where this ends up going. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right. So let's wrap this up. Um, let's try to put a cap on it, I think, as – yeah, I think everybody here, we didn't know that, you know, you lost your brother, so we're all sorry to hear that news. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and if there's bad. anything you need us to do or, you know, whatever in order to... No, I, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. I, I It just was so relevant to what we were talking about. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I felt like it, yeah, mm-hmm. I, to bring it up. But my, my brother was a troubled guy, you know, so it's... It's a call I pretty much expected for a long time. Well, so. so either way, we're so yeah, so sad to hear that. Um, thank you. Paying back of what Angel said, let us know if there's anything else we can do. But uh, again, on a on a light note, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Um, again, dropping a ton of really insightful thoughts and theories, especially on like the the eating and all, all of it included. But um I'm sure we'd be happy to have you on in future as well. We, you know, we don't know what future fitness holds, but always good to kind of pick your brain and for our listeners to kind of hear your thoughts on, you know, both sides of the exercising and the nutrition. So I want Yeah, to I'd be done. happy to come back on again. I mean this nice. is great. We'll, it's great we'll to see you guys and talk to you guys. Yeah, too. likewise, man. Likewise. Yeah. Never thought I'd say I'd miss hearing his voice. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> now I'll be on I, Spotify. I have to agree. No, it's I, I I definitely miss yeah. I'm that's something that man, when I think about like one of the main reasons I stayed at Equinox is the you know, my colleagues. Yeah. I, mean, I it's you know, been my clients and my colleagues and like I definitely reasons. miss the com- the camaraderie for sure. I know. We um I'm having is though. I'm almost yeah. coming up on my ten year anniversary at Equinox. It's insane. Jesus Christ. Crazy. Dude. <laughs> 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 they hired. They just hired to like, like I don't know why he did to mop the floor or something when he first got That's there. That's right. Got him in there. I, I was hired to mop the floor. <laughs> he was coming out. It's to the beard. Out. It's I the beard, know. David. That's why I thought I was going to mop the floors. Okay. No. no. Don't even twist. <laughs> don't even okay. twist. Don't even twist that. It's no. I didn't twist anything. You said it. No. no, no, no. <laughs> because it's it's off the books labor, David. <laughs> That's what I was trying to imply. No taxes. <laughs> No tie, that's right. Uh, I'll take it. Uh, I'll I can afford this later. computer right now. Fuck that. <laughs> I'll stop before I go ahead. All right. Well, thank you, Antoine. Appreciate it, man. Where can, thank where you can guys. people uh, like learn more about what you do or like training with you or anything like that? Is there any? You know, I'm gonna I'm going to get uh, I'm gonna get back on social media at some point. I haven't. Um, Antoine's but, like, come like, see me. That's how you find out. Come see yeah, me. Yeah, honestly. Um, <laughs> You got to email me. <laughs> um, no, you know, my wife, several clients have told me, yeah, I should get on social media. So I'm probably going to do something. If any, if you guys have any good ideas or tips, I'm, uh, you know, I'll happily you get to. a MySpace. You'll be fine. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. MySpace, yeah. That's no, I'm not that fucking old and stupid, David. Jesus. <laughs> MySpace. Does it even exist anymore? It must. Uh, it exists. I think they use it more for like music stuff, like artists. No. It's weird. It's slow as fuck. I was on it like a couple months ago because I was bored. I'm like, this is taking so long. He was on MySpace. Can we take note of the fact that David just said he was on MySpace? You need yeah. to get out of the yep. house. Listen, I'm and on. We wonder <laughs> why he gets enraged so quickly. Exactly. No wonder. Savage. But reach out to me about that bike, David. Uh, I will. Uh, yeah, we'll chat. Definitely borrow it. Awesome. All right, thanks, Antoine. Thank you, All right, man. guys. Appreciate this it. is great. Awesome. Easy. Thanks for having me. Be safe, me. man. Thanks. You got it. Bye. Good Stay, to man. see you guys. Cool. Uh, that's awesome. That was so. Uh, that was a uh, episode eighteen with Antoine Simmons, and that was awesome. He Hope you guys are still insights. listening. I know it's been an it's been hour, a long old one. Yeah, three minutes. That was a good. That was a good episode. That was quite chunk. Now Jacques got to go to the bathroom because he can't hold it in. So Dude, well, was, I've been actually, trying to. Hold... Is, I didn't realize the time. It's been like yeah. holy an hour forty three. Yeah. Wow. It's okay. so the longest episode. Let's uh yeah. Let's wrap it up. Pause it for a bit. Are you? Oh okay yeah. No, wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Okay. For our listeners. Uh, right. So thanks, guys, for tuning in. Make sure to uh, like, comment, subscribe, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, uh, Apple, everything. Yeah, everything. Um, follow Just us Google. on Instagram, the trainer feed. Uh, we got Alfie joining in, oh, often God. making his appearance. He's hungry. Can't He's be. always hungry. Uh, so yeah, thanks, guys, for tuning in, and I look forward. We all look forward to hearing. Uh, I don't know, but see you next week. All right, deuces. See you guys.